Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. How are you? Good to see you out this morning. What a great time together. And we are excited about Easter. And I've been inviting people. Have you been inviting people to our Easter services? How many of you have been inviting people to our Easter services? Awesome. We're going to get more of you on board before we end the service today. I've been inviting people. I did a radio spot this last week on iHeartMedia for Easter that you'll begin to hear the next two weeks. I was inviting people at the radio station uh, this last week. How many of you know people need Jesus? How, how many of you know we don't need to be ashamed of Jesus Christ? Amen? And uh, we need to put our faith out there and uh, know that God is going to touch Numerous people throughout our Easter weekend. Big shout out this morning to our Clearbrook campus. Come on, would you give it up for our Clearbrook campus today? So glad to have you a part of what's happening here and so excited that you are with us as well. Two weeks till Easter, so uh, check in on what's going on. And as many of you know, we have an Easter egg hunt that's going to be taking place at the Clearbrook campus at Stonewall Elementary. And we're looking forward to that. It's going to be over 10,000 Easter eggs that are going to be up there. And we've been planning. They're getting ready to do that. And so invite family, friends, people that are in that area to be a part of that. Well, let me tell you, we are seven days into our 21-day fast. And I hope that you've taken this fast seriously as we're praying, as we're going forward, and we're believing God to do amazing things. Last Sunday night was a powerful time here. We had one hour of prayer and worship, and it was a powerful time where God came and ministered. Those of you that were here, I know that you felt the impact of that. So let's continue to fast. Let's continue to pray. And what God wants to do in and through us as a church and how he wants to touch many people and many people's lives leading up to Easter. Well, listen, this morning I'd like to talk to you about something that I believe every Christian should not just have in the back of their mind, but in the forefront of their mind, and that is the shortness of our time that we are living in the last days. I want to talk to you about that today, that at any moment we could be gone from planet Earth by way of the rapture of the church, that Jesus Christ is coming again, and he is coming very soon. I realize that in our generation, you don't hear much about the return of Christ as much as you did in previous generations. I know growing up, I heard a lot about it preached on. Anymore, you don't hear it preached on very much or very often, but some of that in the day and age we live comes from maybe in terms of our comfort. Life is just more comfortable here, and some people maybe feel that heaven can wait because we're so comfortable with where we are at right now. Others, I think uh, we see uh, through the lens of, uh, because of history, because of our access to the internet, and, uh, you know, things seem to be going on for so long, and many say, well, it's not happened yet, and so it's not going to happen, and that is tragic. So I want us to set our focus in on this today in God's Word. I have a number of scripture verses for you if you're taking notes encourage you with this, or you can check the church app as well and follow along. It's a great opportunity to be able to uh, get the scripture verses that are already printed there, and they'll be on the screen behind me as well. I want you to know that when a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ lives in the understanding and the readiness that Jesus Christ could come at any moment, it will change how you live every single day. It changes 
what you say, how you say it, how you give, how you serve, it changes the decisions that you make at every single moment and venture in your life. It directs conversation with the people that are in your world or not even in your world yet. And you know, we've all talked to someone that's indifferent to the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. But don't let the facade of their indifference somehow cause you to think they're not listening to what you're saying. Are you hearing me say yes? I remember being at my grandma's house one summer and was outside playing. I left the house and I uh, was out there and enjoying a beautiful summer day. And um, as I came back into the house a few hours later, I came in and nobody was there. And I thought, I started saying, Mom, are, are you here? And then I started saying my sibling's name. And um, I, I started to get a little fearful because they were there. They were there when I left the house a few hours earlier before I went to play. And then remember, nobody answered. But then what came to mind, I do remember, I remember where I was standing in my grandma's house when I'm thinking, man, you know, I remember my mom and dad talking to me about Jesus coming back. And uh, I remember for a moment that I thought I missed it. The more I thought about it, the more anxious I got. And I looked around my grandma's house and began to say their names even louder. Have you ever done that before, right? A few minutes later, I heard the back door of my grandma's house open, and I called for my mom. I said, Mom? And she said, Yes. And I remember her saying that, and she answered, and I knew for sure that Jesus had not come back yet because if mom was still on this earth then surely Jesus had not returned because mama was a saint. Oh, mama's here? Well, good, okay? I mean, uh, woo, I was safe this time. How many of you ever had one of those moments before? You thought Jesus had come back. I saw one, two, three. Thank you for your honesty. This is going to be good today because I'm going to really preach this message with urgency. I do want to preach this message with urgency and not out of fear. Because fear doesn't work when you talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that we should have an urgency of the fear of God more than anything else rather than the fear of man in our hearts. And scripture tells us that. And that we understand that Jesus is coming soon. And so for the next few moments, we're going to take a jet tour through the New Testament about his coming called the rapture of the church. To do that, I want to fo focus on four thoughts in four different areas today. First of all, I want to talk to you today about the surety of his coming, that he is coming. It is a sure thing, and that scripture is filled, filled with this thought of the second coming. In fact, the Bible talks a lot about the coming of Christ, that there are over 300 verses in the Bible regarding the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. 100 have to do with the first coming, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. Jesus was born. And then 200 have to do with the second coming when he is coming again. If the first coming happened, you can be sure the second coming is going to happen as well. All right? So when you read through the Gospels, you see repeatedly Jesus talking about this. For example, in Luke chapter 12, it says, You also must be ready. 
For the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Nobody is going to know the day or the hour, Jesus said. Only the Father in heaven knows. The angels don't even know he's coming, but the Father does. He promised his disciples in John chapter 14 with these words. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. He is coming again. Paul the Apostle talks over and over again about this coming. He says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. According to the Lord's own words, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, he is coming again. James chapter 5 in verse 8. You also be patient. I love this. This is what he's telling us. For those that are still alive, he said, you also, you need to be patient. But inside of that, you need to establish your hearts. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord is at hand. First Peter chapter 3 says, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come scoffing, following their own evil desires. They will say, where is this coming that you have promised? Hey, It hasn't happened yet. It's not going to happen. But I want to let you know that Scripture says that he is coming again. The book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, is the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's revealing Christ in all of his glory. It's talking about the events that will lead up to the literal, physical return to the earth. And at the end, it's if John looks at this. Remember, he's having a vision in Revelation, and he's a bit overwhelmed. But Jesus wraps up the book with these words, behold, I am coming soon. There is certainty that Jesus is coming, that the Lord is going to return. How many of you are excited for the Lord's return? Amen. How many of you are excited this morning that Jesus Christ is coming back for the church? Amen. I am. I am. That leads to a second thing, the signs of its coming. You not only have the surety of his coming, then you have the signs of his coming. The signs of his coming. Now, here's what we know about the signs of his coming. That Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 8, all these are the beginning of birth pains, right? Remember that if you look inside scripture. Remember that all of this is just the beginning of the birth pains. What do we know about birth pains? Men, nothing. Women, you know it, right? We know nothing about it. Ladies, you do. When a woman is expecting a baby, she gets close to delivering that baby. All of a sudden, she has birth pains, and they become more frequent, and they come with greater intensity. That's what my my wife says, and I believe her. Man, you do believe your wife on that, right, or you're going to have a black eye. Jesus compared the signs of his coming to a woman in labor. It's going to start off with less pain and less frequency and less intensity, but it's going to increase. And Scripture shows us that in three places, Matthew 24, Mark 13, and in Luke 21, we have the signs of his coming. And I want to go through those signs in Matthew chapter 24. So if you'll go there with me in your Bible today, we're going to go there, and then we're going to end in 1 Thessalonians today. But we see this, that he is coming. 
And he gives us greater detail of that even as you go into Revelation chapter 6, that these are the signs of his coming. As I go through them, I will go through them fast, but you have the opportunity to take and read the word of the Lord and study them for yourself if you haven't already. That the birth pains, they start off small, but they will get bigger and bigger. And Matthew 24 gives us several signs that Jesus is coming. The first one is, verses 4 and 5 of 24, that we read is false world religions. False world religions. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Christ and will deceive many. It's, he is saying that many will come and say, I am the Christ. What they are saying is ultimately, I am God. I am God. I have his knowledge. I have his understanding. I know all. We see that all world religions are vying for people's attention. World religion vying for people saying, this is the way. This is the way you should go. And the spread of that and the notoriety of that will continue to increase. It has. Number two, war. War, verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, and Jesus saying this to the disciples, but watch what he says, but see to that that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. What he's saying is the wars are going to increase over time, and historically that is proven to be true. Prior to the time of Christ were 70 known wars. Following the time of Christ in the next 1,000 years, 50 wars. The, in the next 500 years after that, there were 100 wars. The next 300 years, 250 wars. In the last 200 years, there have been 500 wars. In the last five years, you've got 25 wars. All that to say, like a woman in labor, there is an increasing frequency of war and rumors of wars. By the time so much so that you get to Revelation chapter 6, what you have is wars, you have famine, and you have pestilence. It says this in Revelation that a fourth of the human race dies at the start of the tribulation. We haven't even gotten started yet, and a fourth of the human race is dead. That's just wars. You go on to number three. Jesus said this, famines. There will be famines upon the earth. We hear of famines in other countries. We see it in countries like India and we, Africa. We, we hear of that. People that do not have food is a very real thing, and there will continue to be an increase of that. Number four, pestilence. Jesus said in a parallel passage, there shall be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences in various places and fearful events. All of this will point to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. The world is not going to get better and better. We are not going to manage our way scientifically or technologically out of disasters because Jesus said it will increasingly grow worse. Number five, earthquakes. In various places, he said. Now, the various places are places that aren't even used to them. That's what that word means, various. Yes, they're all over the world, but they are in various places. They're in places that you would least expect earthquakes to be. Do you realize that there are 20,000 earthquakes that happen every single year? And most of them we don't even feel, right? How many of you remember in 2011 we had an earthquake in Virginia? 
How many remember that? You felt that, you know, you, you felt that, right? It was uh, just epicenter, I think, just north of Lynchburg area, somewhere in there. But I remember that I was in my office right over here when it was downstairs. I was in my office, and my walls shook. Vroom. You remember where you're at, the place you're at shook? I do. I ran out of my office, and I was like, what in the world happened? I thought a vehicle hit the building. I thought, man, what is going on? I didn't see a vehicle out front. I ran around the back of the building, and it was at that time they were building our new multi-purpose building over here. And so I thought, wow, did a crane fall or what took place? And I went outside, and I went out there, and I looked over to where the garbage is right now, and uh, that's where the setup construction station was, and there was an outhouse there. And the construction guy at that time came out of the outhouse he said, what just happened? I said, I don't know, but he said, I thought somebody was shaking the outhouse. I was like, it wasn't me. <laughs> you remember that earthquake, right? It's crazy. And uh, the Bible talks that there are going to be earthquakes, and they're going to be more frequent, and they will, uh, there, there are major fault lines in, in the world that we live in. Earthquakes will happen and culminate with tribulation, with a massive earthquake, in Revelation chapter 16 talks about the earthquake of all earthquakes that will level every mountain and raise up every valley. That's how massive. Never anything like it, and it's going to be crazy. Number six, the persecution of Christians. You will be handed over to persecutors and put to death, and you will be hated by all nations because of me. I want you, do you realize that we are living in a day when more people are persecuted for their faith in Jesus Christ than ever before? Do you realize that? No, I'm talking about today, in 2019. Do you realize that in the last century, there are more people who are martyred for their faith than all previous centuries combined? That's according to Gordon Conwell's Center for Study of Global Christianity. 60% of persecution to Christians happen to women and children. One in three Christians face high levels of persecution in Asia, with India entering the top 10 for the first time. Increasing persecution of believers is happening right now in the world we live in, why we are in comfortable America. People are losing their life today for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus also predicted that the love of many will grow cold. That there will be a falling away because of the increase of wickedness in the earth. People will go from being on fire to being lukewarm. Even as people are getting saved, that's happening. Then we read this. This is one of the great signs of his coming, that the gospel will be preached to the world Jesus said, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. I think this is probably one of the most single significant signs of all that Jesus listed and put in here. Why? If you were to go to the Museum of the Bible, how many of you have been to the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C.? I just want to encourage you, go down there and take a day to go see that museum. It is amazing. Take your family with you. It will entertain the youngest and the oldest alike in your family. It is that well done and that amazing. I love what they're doing down there, and I love how 
They are lifting up what Jesus Christ has done from the Old to the New Testament. It's amazing. But in the Museum of the Bible, they have this room where they have all the spoken languages on planet Earth. And what they have is if the language has a complete Bible, they've got a book that's a certain color for that language. Then if there's a language that only has the New Testament, they have a different color used to mark those languages. And then if there are languages that maybe only have like a gospel or a part of the New Testament, they have another color. And they have hundreds of books where there are spoken languages that do not have the gospel in written form yet. But they say by 2030, 11 years from now, every single spoken language on planet Earth will have the gospel in its language translated. That's amazing. That's amazing. Now listen, I'm not setting dates for Christ's return. You can have the gospel translated, but somebody's got to hear it, and how can they hear unless they are sent? Amen? How can they go unless somebody is preaching and teaching the good news of the gospel? I'm not here setting dates. I'm just here to tell you, you need to be ready, and you need to focus your attention on what Christ has told us through his word. Never in the history of the world have we had the word of God or the capacity to give the word of God to every language group on the earth. This gospel, this gospel will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, Jesus says, and then the end will come. We are living in the last days, church, and I want to tell you, Jesus is coming soon. He is coming soon. And the church needs to be ready because Jesus is returning. Another sign Jesus said right before he comes, it will be like the days of Noah. What does that mean? As it was in the days of Noah, so, so shall be the day of the coming of the Son of Man. Well, in Noah, there was rampant godlessness. In the days of Noah is when God destroyed the earth by water, that the days of Noah are considered an example of God's judgment both on mankind and on the earth. And, and Peter makes the correlation about the end times when the earth will be destroyed completely by fire. It's a correlation from the old to the, to the New Testament as people begin to mess with the human genome and DNA attempting to play God. Do you see this in the world we live? The end is coming. Stephen Hawking, a theoretical ph physicist who did not believe in God, who passed away last year, wrote about unimproved humans in a superhuman race. Turn to your neighbor and say, sorry, you're unimproved. Well, that's according to him. What we, he was saying is, you won't, the average human won't be able to compete. China last year said... Uh, so they said completed the, uh, they, they created the first genetically edited, edited baby. Our world right now is embracing things that go to the very core of what it means to be human, to be made in the image of God. And we need to come back to that, that these are signs of the Lord's coming. So you have surety and you have signs. And the third thing is sequence of his coming. How do we understand all of these things. The coming of the Lord, the Old Testament calls it the day of the Lord. That's what it means. And Paul references it this way in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It's not so much one event as a sequence of events that culminates with a new heaven 
and a, and a new earth, but along the way, you have a literal return of Jesus to the earth where he will rule and reign for a thousand years. And he will fulfill the promises that he has made to national Israel. If you're watching the world scene, it's happening right now, right before our eyes. It's taking place, church. It's, it's time for the church to get excited because Jesus is fulfilling every promise that he has made. It is taking place right now, right before our eyes. And Jesus said, hey, I'm going to fulfill every promise that I made to national Israel. And so, but seven years before that is an event whereby Jesus doesn't come to the earth, but he simply comes, the Bible says, in the clouds. And it is in that moment that he comes and he draws out and pulls out Christians out of the earth. That's what the scripture says. Right now, you have to understand that we as Christians are restraining influence for evil in the earth. That we are called to be salt and light. And it is so important that we are salt and light. That we are the restraining influence with the help of the Lord Jesus Christ and the work of the Holy Spirit. Just think what would happen if you took all of the believers and Christians out of the world. The salt and the light would be removed from the earth. Wow. It's amazing. You take the Christians out of the earth, you, you're going to see a, a world that's radically changed. Revelation chapter 2 says Satan will be confined to the earth for a three and a half year period and it will be a free for all of evil. It will be unleashed. But at the start of the seven year period is a thing called the rapture of the church. It's also called in scripture the blessed hope, that we have a hope in Jesus where Jesus will keep his promise to prepare a place for us and he's gonna come and take us to where he is so that we might be there also. It's called the rapture of the church. Paul is in Thessalonica uh, for only two weeks, Bible scholars tell us, uh, but while he's there, he gives us the basics of the Christian faith and he gives us the teaching on the rapture of the church, and he makes it so glorious and, and so real to them. And he leaves, and they have many questions, as they should, and, and they write him, and he answers some of their questions relative to the rapture, how important this doctrine is for us, and so important that you and I understand Scripture. And in the last days, what Jesus is doing on the earth that is, Paul only is, you understand this, that Paul only has two weeks with somebody and he's going to talk about it, that, that it's imperative that every single follower of the Lord Jesus Christ understands this doctrine, this teaching, this principle of Scripture called the rapture of the church. First Thessalonians chapter 4. Brothers, we don't want you to be ignorant about those who fall asleep or grieve like the rest of them who have no hope. When he talks about people who fall asleep, he's not talking about people who sleep in church, but there are some who do. I think one way or another you're getting something good out of the service, you know, you're either getting rest of the word, whatever it may be. <clears throat> he's talking about people who have died. It's a euphemism. We get our word cemetery from this word. So the soul doesn't sleep, but the body when Christian dies, sleeps. It's a temporary rest, if you will, while their spirit is with the Lord. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, to be absent from the body is present with who? The Lord. To be absent from the body, you are present with the Lord. So, so the minute 
a believer dies, their soul is in heaven at that moment. They are with the Lord in his presence, but their body is still in the ground that they've had for all of eternity, but a new one is yet to come, and that is the moment of the rapture. Stephen, do you remember Stephen in Acts where he was being stoned? Remember that, and um, that's a powerful portion of Scripture, and it says as he's being stoned, Stephen fell asleep, his body went into rest, his spirit went to be with the Lord. Our participation in the rapture is believing that Jesus died for our sins and that he rose again. That is our participation. It's based on, are you a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ in the sense, in the sense that you've been born again, that you have put your faith in Christ Jesus to save you from your sin, to do for you what you could never do for yourself. Verse 15, we tell you Those who are still alive, who are left to the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. Verse 16, for the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command. And that word is kalusma. It's a military term. It means to stand up. It means to fall in. It means he's come to get our attention. We are not exactly sure what Jesus is going to say or how he's going to say it, but we know if we go to Jesus as he's spoken to Lazarus' life that he was dead, Lazarus come forth and Lazarus came forth. A dead man came back to life because Jesus spoke. I mean, this is what he's saying. It is going to be a mass resurrection when Jesus comes down with a loud command. My people, whatever he may say, my people, come forth. Come to attention. Arise. The voice of the archangel, it speaks about in the Bible. We know from Scripture there are seven archangels all ending in the letter L, which represents the word of God, like Michael and Gabriel. Anytime a mighty angel opens his mouth and talks, the Bible says it's like the thunder of many waters. It's loud. It's impressive. And Michael is going to thunder. It's going to be powerful. Watch what else happens. We know this from the trumpet of God. When God came down on Mount Sinai, the book of Exodus, there were trumpet blasts. It was God's way of assembling people. That's what the trumpet call is all about. Jesus on that day will give a command. The voice of the archangel is going to thunder, and there is going to be this trumpet blast that I believe all of the world is going to hear, and it's going to be with clarity. The saved and the unsaved will hear it, and the dead in Christ will rise first, the Bible says. In a flash, in a twinkling of an eye, you won't be changed. Uh, you will be changed, the Bible says, but it'll be an instant new body that you will get. You, you won't need Botox, liposuction, Rogaine, Viagra, heart medication, whatever. You're on a gimpy leg. You're going to have a new body, and you're going to come out of the grave. Hallelujah. The Lord is on the throne. We're going to be new in Jesus' presence. Amen. The most important part of that is we're going to then see the people. The people that have gone before us, that love the Lord, and we're going to see them in heaven. That's going to be amazing. That's going to be amazing, amen? In a fraction of a second, before light could hit your eye, the twinkling in that moment, suddenly we're all together and the Bible says, so shall we ever be with the Lord, ever be. 
He's going to take us back to heaven. And there the Bible says he has prepared a feast. And there are going to be shouts. And there are going to be hallelujahs. And we're going to celebrate the greatest family reunion that has ever been upon the earth. There are going to be people there and you're going to love them. Not like the one family reunion, you know, that you go down to some pavilion. You're not sure if you love half of them or part of them or whatever it may be. This is going to be, a, this is going to be an amazing family reunion in heaven where we are all going to love each other in heaven. And there's going to be shouts of hallelujah. Why? Because we are in his presence and we are going to feast and it's going to be amazing. That leads us to the final thing, our service until he comes. What should we do and how should we live? Peter says in knowing these things, what kind of people should we be? Second Peter, you should Walk in all godliness and holiness. Knowing that the Lord is coming again, he said you should walk in all godliness and you should walk in all holiness. Paul in 1 Thessalonians 5, he is continuing the theme of the Lord. Chapter 5, verse 6, so let us not be like the others who are asleep. In this portion, the word asleep is those that are spiritually dead. This is not the rest that he's talking about in the believer. This is talking about the asleep in the form of somebody that is spiritually dead that will face a Christless eternity. It's a sign of spiritual deadness when a person isn't thinking about being ready for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. When a person knows the Lord and they're not living in the reality, that awareness that Jesus could come at any moment. It causes us, though, to act at times in ways of if maybe we're not spiritually alive. He says, let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be alert. Let us be watching. That's the idea. Let us be alert. Let us be watching. We are like watchmen watching. We're like watchmen watching. Let's be aware that we are living in the last days. Like I said at the start, that if we live with that awareness every single day, it will change how you live. It will change what you do. It will change how you give. It will change how you serve. It will change how you invite others, right? It will change when you ask somebody to follow you as you follow Christ. It will change you. It will change you. Like if you knew in 30 days or 365 days Jesus is returning, how would you live? How would you give? Who would you talk to? can assure you it would motivate you in a whole lot of ways. It will motivate you to talk to others that don't know Jesus, that need to know him. It will motivate what you watched, what you read, and your attendance at church, and your relationship with God, and your relationships with one another. It will change you. It will draw you closer to Jesus. So Paul's saying, Peter is saying, let us be alert, put on faith, believing God, believing his word, standing for the truth at all times, balancing that with love and speaking the truth in love, 
You know, live and love, live and love. How many of you know that heaven straightens our priorities? How many of you know that? Heaven will straighten your priorities. The thought of heaven, the awareness of heaven will straighten up the priorities really quick. Eternity has a way of doing that. That's why he says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 6, and 8, so then let us not be like others who are spiritually dead, but let us be alert and self-controlled. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. That's how he says we should live. How should we live? He lays it out. Our service until his coming. That we faithfully do what God has called us to do and live the life he's called us to live. As difficult as hard as that may be, but I will guarantee you, when you have your mind on eternity, it will straighten your priorities now in Jesus' name. Will you join me in prayer?